Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Matthew chapter 9, reading from verse number 37, the Bible tells us, says, Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now if you go back and start reading from chapter 9, from the very beginning of chapter 9 of that, of that book of Matthew, you will see that in verse 1, the Lord Jesus Christ has healed the paralytic. In verse number 9, the Lord had invited a man called Matthew to be one of his disciples. In verse number 14, he has instructed the disciples of John on the subject of fasting. Verse number 18, the Lord Jesus Christ healed a woman that was having the issue of blood for 12 years. Verse number 25, the Lord Jesus Christ healed a particular, brought back to life a young girl that had died. And by the time you get to verse number 32, there was a man that was possessed with demons that Jesus Christ casted out that demon from his life. And by the time you get to verse number 35, the Bible tells us that Jesus now went about the city. If you read the verse, it said that Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But there's something that happened in verse number 36. The Bible tells us in verse number 36 that but when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. The question is why? Why would the Lord Jesus Christ moved with compassion? He has been healing. He has been, he has been preaching. He has been healing. He has been delivering the oppressed. He has been casting out devils. He has been raising the dead. Why at this point was he moved to compassion? Bible tells us in the later part of that verse, of that verse number 38, verse 36, he said, because he saw they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherds. In other words, the Lord is saying that the Bible is telling us that Jesus began to have compassion on these people because he saw that the people were weary, they were dispirited, they were discouraged. Number two, he had compassion upon them because they were scattered, they were distressed, they were tired. Not only that, he had compassion upon them because they had no shepherd. In other words, they were wandering. There was no direction in their lives. In other words, the people were simply tired of life. People just needed help. And he looked at them. He saw that these people needed help and he had compassion upon them. Now, what was the Lord's response when he saw the condition of the people? If you look at verse number 37, the Bible tells us, Then he said unto his disciples, The harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. In other words, there are many people who need help. There are many people who are distressed. Many who are, who are tired of what life is throwing at them. There are many who have no direction in life. There are many who are just simply looking for somebody who will just come to their aid. Unfortunately, there are very few people who are available or who makes themselves available 
to be able to help those who are in distress. Our Lord is saying that there are people who need somebody to minister to them. There are people who need some, there, there are a lot of people around us who need a shoulder to cry on. People who need help, you know, with their challenges in life. The unfortunate thing is that the helping hand that they need is very, very scarce. And the issue is not just the condition of the people. The problem is that we don't have enough people to minister to the needs of the multitudes that need help. Jesus is saying the harvest is plenty. But the people who will be who are needed to you know to be able to reap the harvest to be able to deliver us, they are few. That's what the Bible tells us in that Matthew chapter, you know, in that verse of the scripture. The question is, how do we get the laborers into the vineyard? That is the question. Where there seems to be, you know, and the issue is, you know, how do we be able to encourage people to say, okay, these are the people who are having issues. These are the condition of people around us. These are the ones that are, you know, daily they are looking and they are saying, Lord, where are you? Where is your hand? Where is your help? Where is your assistance? Where is that promise of the scripture? There are so many people around us who are going through that. There are so many who are having difficulty in their marriages, difficulty in their place of work, difficulty and challenges that they cannot even, they, many of, there are a lot of people who are simply going through what is called quiet desperation. And interestingly, even within the church, there are so many who are going through that. So many who are just saying, if somebody will just listen to me, if somebody will just hear the voice, the cry of my heart. The, the issue is, that is not, you know, the Lord is saying there are so many of them like that. And the issue the Lord is saying is, that is not even the problem. The problem is that where are the people? Where are the people who will help them? And if you take the step, problem a step further, the issue is not, the, you know, there seems to be a disagreement within the church on how to be able to bring the people who will help all these people who are suffering. How you get workers into the church, there's even a disagreement within the church. Because we are having, if we are, we can't even agree as to who should be, who should we send out to be among the people who will lend this helping hand. We have that even disagreement within the church. There are some of us who believe that in order to get the laborers, in order to get the workers, in order to get the help that we need in the church, we need to beg them in. Beg them and say, please come and help us. There are some who believe that we have to kind of, be, you know, we kind of buy them in. There are some who believe that we have to bring them in. There are others who believe that we should grow them in, and some others who believe that we should pray them in. Beg them in means that we should pamper and stroke their egos. Some believe that we should buy professionals who will be able to take care of the people. I mean, after all, everybody's busy. We need to pay somebody who will be able to be the chair, who will be a professional laborer in the house of God. There are some who believe that we should invite volunteers, bring them in. There are some who believe that we should grow them. The people we have in our midst, let's teach them what they need to do to be able to minister to other people. And there are some who believe that we need to go on our knees and ask God to send us help. The question is, how did the Lord Jesus Christ do it? How did Jesus Christ deploy workers and say, because it was the one that says that the laborers, you know, the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. How did he do it? Number one, our Lord Jesus Christ began to bring people to hell with the situation that he saw that distressed him, that, that, that caused him to have compassion on people. How did he solve that problem? He solved the problem, number one, by praying them in. If you look at the book of Matthew chapter 4, the Bible tells us that after he was baptized, he went into the wilderness and he prayed for 40 days. After which he started inviting people to join him in his ministry. So he prayed them in. That was the first thing he did. If you read Matthew chapter 9, the Bible tells in the later part of verse number 38, the Bible tells us, he said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send laborers into his vineyard. In other words, the help that we need in the church can be achieved not by buying people in, not by begging people in, but number one, by praying people in. The Bible says, pray the Lord of harvests 
that he will send laborers into the vineyard. Number two, how did Jesus Christ do it? Jesus Christ did it by, you know, by bringing them in. If you read Matthew chapter 4, reading from verse number 17, he went into the city and one by one he was inviting them in. That was how he invited Peter, that was how he invited Simon. He brought them in. And then finally, he grew them in. When he brought the people in, he started teaching them. He started teaching them one by one. And that is what you see in the book of Mark. The Bible says he went up to the mountain and invited those he would to himself and there he began to teach them on what it means to be able to minister to those who are in need. On what it means to be able to help other people. On what it needs to be the, the laborer in the vineyard of the Almighty God. So he prayed them in. He brought them in and he, you know, and he grew them in. The unfortunate thing is that within the 21st century church, the method of our Lord Jesus Christ is too slow. Just too slow. How will you take time to go and see and begin to pray for people? It's a waste of time. There's a lot of work to be done. We don't have time to pray. We don't have time. It's too, it's too slow. We don't have time to begin to invite them in. We need to buy them in. It's a lot easier. We don't have time to be able to teach them. I mean, it's too much. It's too difficult. Why do you need to teach them when you already have a, when you already have a, what do you call it, a ready-made product out there that you can easily buy? So for the 21st century, the method of our Lord Jesus Christ is too, is too slow. And because there are few laborers, because there are few laborers, all sorts of people have been co-opted into the service of the kingdom. All sorts of people. Okay? A lot of people have been co-opted by ministry leaders. And this involvement of these people have made the work, have made the work a little bit very difficult. Once there is a sign of willingness in the house of God, once there is a sign of spirituality by an individual, we co-opt them into service without actually knowing whether they have a relationship with the Almighty God in the first place. As a result, there are people who are serving, there are people who are occupying the pulpit, there are people who are speaking the word of God who even even know the Savior that they are speaking about. The men and the women do not even recognize the service, that the service that they offer is a spiritual service. People who think that they are serving, you know, that their service is unto any man, and as such they are expecting men to be able to recognize and to, you know, and to give them accolades. As a result, all sorts of things are happening. And if you look at the book of Mark, Luke, Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 9, if you start reading from verse number 57, the Lord gave us a picture of the type of people that responded to his, to, to, to his call. I gave, you a list, I gave you the list last week and I will repeat it this time around, but in light of the workers that we find in the church of God. The first type of workers that we find, the first type of people who we now see walking in the house of God are what I refer to as the impulsive workers. The impulsive workers. If you look at Luke chapter 9, reading from verse number 57, the Bible says, Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, this man came to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, Lord, I will follow thee wherever you go. Who is this impulsive worker? The impulsive worker is the one that is willing, is a zealous worker, somebody who is willing, somebody who is ready to follow. The only problem is that he's spiritually immature. He doesn't even know what it takes to walk with the Lord. He's so shallow in his experience that he doesn't even know. He has not, he has not, he has not had an encounter that will turn his life around, that will make him prepared for the service of the master. Who is this impossible? Uh, who is this impulsive worker? This impulsive worker is one who has not taken the time to count the costs. Of service in the house of God. This kind of people Jesus Christ says to them. In verse number 58 of, my, of that particular book of Luke. He said foxes have holes. Birds have nests. But the son of man has no place to lay his head. In other words Jesus is telling them. Before you decide to start walking. Before you decide to start trying to be. A helping hand in the kingdom of God. Before you want to be the voice. That will speak soothing messages. Or soothing relief to the people who are hurting. He said you need to count the costs. There is a cost associated with serving in the kingdom of God. Count the cost before you sign up. 
The second kind of workers you have in the heart of God. The second kind of volunteers you have in the house of God is the reluctant volunteers. Matthew Luke chapter 9. The Bible says, and he said unto another, follow me. But he said, suffer me first to go to my father. Uh, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Who is the reluctant worker? The reluctant worker are they. They are the ones who require an invitation before they do anything in the church. They are the ones that require an invitation before they serve in the kingdom of God. They are the ones who need a particular special adversary to be sent to them before they do anything. They are the ones who, when invited, they always even look for a way out. Service to the reluctant worker is a secondary issue in their Christian journey. They are reluctant workers because convenience is a key factor in everything that they do. The work of God must fit their schedule if they are going to participate. These are the reluctant workers. And to such people, the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, let the dead bury their dead. In other words, get your priorities right. Get your priorities right. Do what is most important. Plan and invest in things of eternal value. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying to them. Get your priorities right. Do what has eternal value. The third group of people that works in the house of the Almighty God are the half-hearted workers. The half-hearted workers. They say, let me go and bury my... They say, Lord, I will follow you. But let me bid farewell to them which are at my house. And who are these half-hearted workers? They are the ones with divided loyalty. They are the ones with limited commitments. They are the ones who want to eat their cake and have it at the same time. They are the ones who know uh, who are one leg in the church and one leg out of the church. They are the ones whose eyes are not yet focused on what is most important to them. And to such people, Jesus is saying, no man having laid his hands upon the plow, looking back, is worthy of the kingdom. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying to that set of people. If you want to serve me, serve me. If you don't want to serve me, stop wasting your time. The Bible says, no man having put his hands upon the plow. plow. In other words, when you have made a decision to follow him, and you start looking back, he said, then you are not worthy of the kingdom. In other words, you cannot eat your cake and have it. You cannot serve two masters. You are either in a service or you are not. You cannot have it both ways. The fourth and the the fourth and the, uh, the fourth group of workers in the house of God are what is what I refer to as the glory seeking workers. The glory seeking workers. If you look at the book of Acts chapter eight. Reading from verse number 18, the Bible tells us of a man called Simon. When he saw the display of the Holy Spirit, he was, into, he was interested in it. He wanted that particular power. And then Paul, Simon Peter said, the, the Lord Almighty, you know, he said, your money perished with you because he was offering money to receive the Holy Ghost power. Who is this glory-seeking worker? The glory-seeking workers are the workers who with an agenda. They come to the service of the kingdom with an agenda. They come with the service of the kingdom with something, hoping to benefit something, hoping to receive something. These are the cities are the kind of people who offer service for self-propagation. They offer service because they want to profit. They offer service because they have something else in mind, not because of the response to the love of God that they've received. Service is an extension of a personal ambition, a personal agenda, a personal thing that they have going on in their life. These are the glory-seeking workers. And to such workers, the Bible is telling us, just like Peter said to that Simon, he said, For Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. There are, this is exactly what the Lord is telling this individual. Those glory-seeking workers, you say your money, your service, your talent, whatever you are offering, he said it will perish with you, because you think that you can earn the favor of God by the things that you are doing. In other words, your service will be a snare to you if you do not check your motivation. And the final group of workers that we have in the church, which are very, very few, is the committed workers. The Bible tells us that they said unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And straightway, they left their net and they followed him. This is referring to Peter and John. Matthew chapter 4, from verse 19 to 20. That's what that Bible says. Who are the committed, who are the committed workers? 
They are the mature and the ready. They are the, they are the ones who have counted the cost. They are the ones who pay the price. They are the ones who are sold out to the Lord. They are the ones who have made up their mind and say, anywhere you go, I will go. These are the ones who know what it means to walk with the Lord and they are willing to pay the price. This group of workers, the Lord is saying to them in the book of Luke chapter 18, He said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left houses or parents or brethren or wives or children for the kingdom, for the kingdom of God's sake. He said, Who will not receive manifold more in this present time? and in the world to come. In other words, the Lord is saying, if you are the committed workers, you have, I have news for you. There is going to be benefit here and there's going to be benefit when you transition into eternity. That is basically what the Lord is saying to those people who are committed to his service. Now, from these examples of workers, it gives you an idea of our Lord Jesus Christ's attitude towards service in the kingdom. What is the view of Jesus towards the people who serve? What does this, what, the, what does it consider to be a meaningful service in the kingdom? In Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, reading from verse number 23, the Bible tells us, If anyone come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He said, If anyone come after me, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You know what? The, 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 the Lord Jesus Christ's view of Christian service is number one, it is voluntary. If any man will come, it's not forcing anybody. He's saying that if you make up your mind that you want to walk with me, if you make up your mind that you want to be identified with me, if you make up your mind that you want to be a laborer in the vineyard of the Almighty God, if you make up your mind that you want to be among the people who will speak the sitting word, who will help the people who are, who are distressed, who will walk with the people who have no direction in life. He said, if you make up your mind, in other words, it's a voluntary service. It's not something that is by compulsion. Number two, the Lord views service as very, very selective. As much as everybody is invited. The Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. In other words, it's a very selective thing. Not everybody will be able to serve. Not everybody is called to serve. Not everybody is equipped to serve. So it's not only voluntary, it is selective. And God is very selective when it comes to the people he chooses for his service. Number three, the Lord's view of service is that it has to be accompanied with total concern consecration and commitments. In other words, when you make up your mind you want to join him, and the Lord eventually picks you and selects you as one of the people who will serve with him, he's expecting you to be consecrated, in other words, to be separated and to be committed unto him. Consecration simply means that I am not going to behave like any other person. You cannot be working for the government and behaving like you are working for somebody else. You cannot be getting your salary from company A and be loyal to company Z. That's what the Lord is saying. If you are going to identify with me, you have made up your mind voluntarily, you signed up for this particular show, and I have picked you as one of the people working for me. I expect total consecration, that's total separation, and I expect total commitments. God demands total consecration and commitment if you decide to walk with him. God will not tolerate half-hearted service. In other words, when you put your hands in there and you step back. He told us already. He said, anyone who puts his hands upon the plow and looks back. He said, that person is not worthy of the kingdom. Then number four, the view of the Lord Jesus Christ, the view of service in the kingdom, is that it must be accompanied by the realization that you have counted the cost. You know what it costs you. Because service in the kingdom is not free. Service in the kingdom may not be convenient. Service in the kingdom may not fit all your schedule. Service in the kingdom may not be exactly the way you picture it. And the Lord is saying, if you are going to be a part of my workforce, if you are going to be a part of the people who will be called by my name and who will represent me, you need to count the costs. 
You need to know what you are getting yourself into. This is one of the things that we find in the church that we are giving a lot of promises. And when people come and they begin to open the door and they pee and they begin to see, this is what is going on behind the scene. A lot of people feel that they have been deceived because they have not been told the truth. But the Lord Jesus Christ never leaves anyone in the dark. And he tells, he says, if you lay your hands upon this plow, if you sign up for this business, you better know what it's going to cost you. Okay? God wants you to count the cost of service before you engage. And he doesn't want you to engage half-heartedly. As a pastor, I might be, and I might say because there is not enough hands in the church, I might just employ, I might just, you know, recruit anybody. I might just say, okay, because we need work in this area. We need help in this particular area. Let anybody come. But the man and the woman that God will use is must meet God's own standard before he can employ you. God will not just say because he needs help, he will pick anybody. He will wait. The Bible said the eyes of the Almighty God run through and fro, just looking for just that person who will do what, who will be fit to be able to do his work. Which means he, not, he will not just pick anybody. The man and the woman that God will use must not only meet God's standard, he must also be equipped for the service that the Lord is calling us on to. In other words, to walk in the service of the Master, you must not only be qualified, you must also be equipped for that service. The question is how do you qualify and equip? How does he qualify and equip those who work for him? How does the Lord qualify those who work for him? Let's look at the book of Luke. Luke chapter 15. Reading from verse number 12. The story of the prodigal son kind of illustrates this thing. The Bible tells us in, the, in Luke chapter in verse 12. He said, and the younger of them said to his father, give me the portion of goods that follow to me. And he divided unto him his living. Now, let me stop for a second and let us see what is going on in this verse of the scripture. By virtue of the young boy's position in the household of the father. In other words, the father that he is born into that family gives him the right to get the father's inheritance. Just by the virtue of the father, you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. By virtue of the father, you are a member of his body. It gives you a right to access the throne and the blessings of heaven. But the question is, do, does everybody who is a member of the house of God, who is a member of the family of God, do, is, everyone, is every one of those people a functional member? Of course not. Just like this young man, he was a member of the family. He was a member, he was a son in the house of God, in the house of that man. But he was not a functional son. He was just a positional son. Okay? He was a positional son. He was one of the people that was born in the family, but he was not a, a functional member. And the position, and, and as a as a positional member of the family, the only thing he was interested in was the blessing that the father can give him, and that is what you find in the house of God. There are so many positional members of the house of God, and there are functional members of the house of God. Okay. The positional members of the house of God are the people who say, Lord, bless me. Lord, give me this. Lord, give me that. Lord, give me this. And that is all that they do. All that's all that's all they request. They ask the Lord to bless, bless, bless. The functional members of the church ask for a different thing. They ask for the blessing, but they ask for something more. Okay? So you see, this particular this particular son, he was still a, 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 a positional member. As a result, he was selfish. He was always asking. He was soulish and he was a carnal person. But if you if you read the story as the story continues, let's go through number seventeen. If you read, if you start from number, verse number seventeen, the Bible now tells us. And when he came to himself, when he came to himself, he said, uh, when he came to himself, he said, "How many higher servants of my father have bre have bread enough to eat and spare? 
and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no longer worthy to be, I'm no longer worthy to be called thy son. Make me one of thy hired servants. And he arose. And he arose and came to his father. And when it was a great way off, his father saw him and, and had compassion and ran and fell on the snake and kissed him. You will notice one thing. In verse number 12, if you have your Bibles open, if you look at verse number 12, the Bible says that this particular boy, he went to his father, he said, give me what pertains to me. By the time you get to verse number 17, when he has woken up, Okay, after he has exhausted all the blessings that God, that his father has given to him, when he woke up in verse number 17, the Bible told us there, he said, Father, make me one of your higher servants. In other words, he has left the position of, he has moved from being a positional member of the family to now wanting to become a functional member of that family. Okay? He now moved from being a, 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 a positional member of the family to a functional member of the family. The question is, how then do you become? How do you make that transition? How do you move from being positional to being a functional member? Okay? How there must be a transformation in the life of a believer before he can truly serve. And you must move from that position to, you must move from being a positional member to a functional member for you to become, you know, for you to be able to serve. You must go from Lord, give me, give me, give me. To Lord, make me, make me, make me. Because until the Lord makes you who he wants you to be, you will not be able to serve effectively in the house of the Almighty God. Until the Lord makes you, there will be no, the service will not be useful. There must be a transformation in life of believer, a transition from being a give me, give me Christian to a make me, make me Christian before the believer can stand. You must be able to grow. You must be able to grow out of the give me mentality and grow into the make me mentality before you can serve in the house of the Almighty God. The question is then, how do you make that transition? How do you make that transition? I'll give you a couple of things. But to be able to make that transition, certain things must happen in your life. Okay? The first thing that must happen in your life is what I refer to as the grace experience. You must have what is called the grace experience. You cannot serve a God you do not know. You cannot serve a God you have no relationship with. You cannot serve a God that you have not had an encounter with. So the first thing that must happen is grace. The grace experience. You cannot be called a Christian, let alone serve into the, serve in the kingdom of God, if you have not yet encountered the living God. Number two, there is what is referred to as the growth experience. The growth experience. You must first of all know how to walk with God before you can walk for God. Okay, you must know how to walk with God before you can walk for God. A man who does not even know how to pray, a man who does not know how to read the scripture, a person who has not learned how to live a daily devotional life, a man who has no experience with the Almighty God. How do you want to be able to speak for him? How do you want to walk for him when you don't even know how to walk with him? And that is what is required if you want to serve the Lord. The Bible says Enoch walked with the Lord and it was not because the Lord took him. You must know how to walk with God before you can walk for God. Number three, there has to be what is called the group experience. You must know how to live in the community. You must know how to live in the community of believers. If you find it, you know, before you can work for him, if you find it hard to live in the community of believers, you will find it difficult to serve in that particular community. You cannot live with the brethren in the church. 
You cannot serve it. You, 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 you cannot endure the behavior and the character and the disposition of the person that is sitting next to us. How do we want to serve those kind of people? So we must go, go through what is called the group experience. And then number, number, number four, number five, the next, uh, number four. Number four, there must be what is referred to as the gifts experience. The gift experience. You must be able to discover the spiritual gifts that makes you effective in the house of the Almighty God. What are you good at? What has the Lord deposited in your life? There are some people who are good in public ministration. There are some who are good in background ministration. There are some who are good in the administration of things. What is the Lord put in your life and what are you good at? Unless you discover it, service in the house of the Almighty God becomes a frustration. Because what happens is that you are going to be, you are going to be doing what you are not properly suited for. So, for you to be able to effect, to be effective in the things of God and to be effective in the service of the Master, you not only need to have the grace experience, you must have eternal, you must have, you must have a, not only, you must have the growth experience and you must also have what is called the, the, the group experience and now the gift experience. Know what the Lord has deposited in you. Know what you are good at. Know what God has gifted you with. And when you are gifted, and when you are operating within that area of your gifting, you find that you become more effective. Not only that, you must have what is called the giving experience. And like I used to put every, I used to, I used to preface everything that I say in this, when it comes to giving, it is not only about money. Giving has to be the giving of your time. The giving of yourself, the giving of your wisdom, the giving of your emotion, the giving of your intellect, the giving of everything that God has given unto you. You have to have that giving experience. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.